If you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? And we're reading again the very same passages we had last week. But to provide an introduction into understanding a number of passages that we'll be looking at in the coming days, if the Lord wills it. From the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John, verses 6 through 7. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. Lord, as you and you alone are able, write your word in our heart and give us understanding in our mind of your divine revelation. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Elizabeth and I were talking as we were driving around this week, and uh, she said, you know, once words are spoken, you can't call them back. Have you ever noticed that? A word is like a bullet. It goes out. It hits hits its mark, usually. And good words do good things, and bad words do bad things. Words are important if you pay attention. And today's passage, I want to bring us to a great and central teaching of the Christian faith. And I hope that it will clarify everybody's understanding. I was talking to a guest we had that Sunday night over dinner and... um, and this lady was talking about the importance of, of sound doctrine in the life of the church. And that warmed my heart to hear a, a person talking that way. A phrase that divides. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a unifying word to the world. People are always looking for unity. What they really mean is harmony. (laughs) To quote the person who was, I can't remember his name at the moment, but had to deal with the police in Los Angeles, can't we all just get along? That's what the world wants, but... uh, That never happens. The word of the gospel is a word that divides. Jesus said it would be that way. He said, I've not come to bring peace upon the earth. But I've come to set father 
against son and son against father and daughter against mother and mother against daughter. That's what he said. Not that that's his desire, but that's the reality. Looking at the life and teachings of Jesus begins with understanding who he is. And and today's lesson, whether we realize it or not, Jesus is defining himself in a radical way. Today's lesson from the scriptures, as we hear it, will teach us a central doctrine of the Christian faith. It will decide what is a legitimate Christian faith and what is not. You know, there are a lot of of people parading today proclaiming to be Christians, but they're not. Now, they may be Christians in their own understanding, but but that's because their understanding of what the faith is, is is inadequate. The Christian faith is not a faith that you can make up to fit what you want. Now, I'm not going to mention which city it is, but... um, Every time I need a chuckle, I drive by and look at this religious organization sign. It's not a church, but, but it, it always has rather humorous things to me on it. And uh, one of them is, I saw a while back is, is, is how to find happiness. You're not going to find happiness. It's kind of a new age sort of place. I mean, you know, uh, the value of trans. Metaphysics. Well, you might wonder what that means. I know exactly what it means. And, and if you go to a meat store and want to order that, you ask for bologna. And, uh, but, um, but, but today's lesson is, is really, really, I think, going to make it clear. You know, the world has many definitions of Jesus. Did you know that? Oh. Uh, when I was in India, I, I went to this large temple complex outside uh, Chennai. It used to be called Madrid, Madras. And, and this temple complex that had, you know, every kind of idol in there you could look for. And, and, and the devotees of the various expressions of Hinduism, they could find their place to worship there. There was a place for Vishnu, the god of destruction, and all of, all of those places. And as we came around the corner, there in a center of worship was a statue of Jesus. And, uh, and, and there were devotees there. But clearly within the teachings of Hinduism, that was put there because they perceived Jesus as a way, just like Vishnu is a way, or any other of those thousand or so gods they have is a way. Hinduism lifts up Jesus as, as, a, as a wise 
man. Islam lifts him up as a prophet, not as the Messiah, but as a prophet. In fact, they say he's the greatest of the prophets. The Marxists say Jesus is an opiate. He deadens people to the real suffering in the world. Gandhi called him a great moral idea. I had a professor one time who was East NC State was ranting on and on what a great teacher Jesus was. That was his greatness as a teacher. And I said, uh, what great teaching are you talking about, sir? And he cited, love thy neighbor, et cetera, et cetera. I said, well, you know, you know I, don't, I don't want to shock you, but those teachings are not original with Jesus. In fact, when you come to teachings like that, very few are original. And that shouldn't make them any less true. But you can, if you know uh, some of the, the, the really solid rabbis in Jesus' time and those past, you'll find many of them teaching some of the same things. His greatness does not rest in him as a teacher. His greatness rests in who he is. The Jews thought Jesus a blasphemer. Today's lesson coming from the mouth of Jesus contradicts the world's assessment of Jesus. You know, words are important. You know that? I mean... The kinds of words that you allow to dwell in your mind are important. They shape how you think. You know, people think they think thoughts, you know. They do. They don't. You don't. I don't. You think you uh, think the thought green, but what, what green merely means is that that's a word that you've associated with, if you're not colorblind, of seeing a certain color. You think in words. That's why words are important. That's why those uh, leftists today, those progressive who are changing the words of Scripture, they know perfectly well what they're doing. The Episcopal Church has just moved to remove uh, all masculine pronouns and nouns from their prayer book. They know what they're doing. Because when you change words, you change how people think. I'm going to tell you today what Jesus thinks, what he said. When Jesus used the term, and and we're going to be looking at the great I am statements. When Jesus used the term I am to describe himself, he set the Jews' teeth on edge, and in, in the end it sets the whole world's teeth on edge. It contradicts the world's assessment and definition of Jesus. When Jesus said, I am, he provided the Jews the very grounds to seemingly in their minds justify all the malice they had towards him. 
Those words, I am, are powerful. And if you want to understand why they are so powerful and why they provide so much clarity in understanding who Jesus is by his own teaching and by what the true church confesses, go with me back, way back in time, way back even before the deliverance of the children of Israel out of bondage. And we have Moses at the burning bush. And you remember Moses coming to the burning bush. And he saw it burning and yet it wasn't consumed. And, and, and as he approached the bush, God said to Moses, Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. I knew a great Hawaiian preacher over, over in Hawaii. Great man of God that every time he walked into the pulpit, he took his shoes off. There's a lesson there too. And he was told to take his shoes off, and, and God delivers to him, Moses, and Moses gives a lot of excuses, if you remember, but God delivers to Moses his calling to go down. He's seen the suffering of his people, and for him to go down in, into Egypt and bring them out of slavery, bring them out of freedom, bring them from a place of being a non-people to being a people, bring them out of Egypt that they might serve God as his witness and his messenger in the world. And, and, and Moses says, well, I, you know, I go down there. Who, who am I going to say sent me? What, what is your name, you, you awesome voice from heaven that is speaking to you? What shall I tell them? Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel... And tell them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? And you know the other gods down there in Egypt, they all had their name. Every one of them. But God doesn't give him a name like the Egyptian gods have. Listen to what he says. And God said to Moses, now catch this, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. That's not a name, is it? But what that carries is that, that I don't need a name. I am the sovereign God. I don't need a name. My will will be executed. I don't need a name. I am who I am. I am. That word, that phrase, became so holy to the Jews that even to this day, when they write it in Hebrew, it is so holy they cannot write it completely. They will not use, uh, Hebrew doesn't have uh, vowels, they have accent marks that replace vowels, they have only consonants. Makes ABCs a lot easier to learn. But, 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 
that name is so holy they don't even put the consonants there. And, and in many places, rather than saying that, that name, they, they say Adonai, the Lord of hosts. It's holy because it is the identity of the true and living God. The Hebrew would be Yahweh, which the English called Jehovah, which the poor Jehovah's Witnesses misunderstand entirely, but, but, but Jehovah. Dr. Charles Stanley, when he preaches, he says, Jehovah God, to, to emphasize the true and living God. So I am The way, the truth, and the life. The moment Jesus uses that phrase, I am, he is identifying himself in completeness with the creator God who spoke to Moses. Of course, we know that he goes on to say further that, that he who hath seen me has seen the Father, the True understanding of who Jesus is comes from his definition of himself. And he doesn't define himself as a great teacher. He doesn't define himself as a moral example. In fact, he contradicts that. Why call you me good? He said that, didn't he? To those who only wanted to write him off as a good man. When Jesus used that term, he was making the point that he is the fullness in him is the fullness of the true and living God, the God Jehovah. And that, you know, when you understand that, if you are not a Christian, that is offensive to you. You see, the world does not want Jesus. Christians, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised at the animosity that people have towards the Christian faith. Because Jesus Christ, being truly God, contradicts what most people want. Do you know that? And when we recognize him as the true and living God and we follow up on his teachings, we, we realize what a radical difference the true and living God is in terms of what he desires than what the world desires. I was talking to a guy one time who, well, he was such a womanizer, he'd make a lot of, a lot of playboys envy him. And he was a real party guy. And I was talking to him one time and he says, I don't want to hear anything about this Jesus. I said, I bet you don't. We are not surprised, are we? 
Surely. And the gospel of the church of Jesus Christ is that, that you who have seen Jesus have seen the Father. Jesus is the full revelation of God as full as we are going to get until we stand in his glorious presence in heaven. We're the people that announce without fear and without compromise, there is no other name given unto men by which you might be saved except Jesus Christ. The message of who Jesus is as he defines himself is an offense to the world because the world loves its idols. And the gospel, when it's really presented to most of the world, will be an offense. When we preach that the Son of God gave his life upon the cross to save sinners, the world does not want to hear that. And they write it off in all kinds of ways, don't they? Now, some may be blinded to the truth, like Ted Turner, who said publicly, Somebody else dying for my sins, I just don't get it. Well, buddy, you don't get it. I am. And when Jesus says, I am, he, sa he, he tells us that he is the true and living God. He's not a great teacher, although he has great teachings. His function is not to be a moral example, although he is. His function is not to bring us wisdom, although he does. His function primarily to, to, in the world is not to be a prophet, although he was. Jesus is the true and living God. And when he utters that phrase, I am, that phrase he didn't choose accidentally. He chose that phrase intentionally. And he chose it to communicate to all who hear him that he was the fullness of God. And to know this and to believe it is to be able to come into the presence of the Father because he is the fullness of the Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, ever one God. Not three, ever one God. I was talking to a Muslim one time in Honolulu, and he, we were talking about the Trinity, and he said, well, the Trinity can't be true. He said, he says, anybody knows that one plus one plus one Plus one equals three. I says, indeed it does. But tell me, what does one times one times one equal? And God is magnified and glorified and revealed in the three and one.
And when Jesus speaks to the world, he tells it, tells the world, he tells you and I, I am this God. I am. And church, we don't need any other authentication for our message. He is a true and living God. And you know, C.S. Lewis once remarked about all these people that have all these other claims about Jesus being teacher, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, let me tell you something. Jesus' essential claim is this. I am fully God. Now, what Jesus said to make those claims, Jesus was either a, a madman to make these claims about himself, or he was who he says he was. You see, that I am brings us to that decision, doesn't it? The greatness of Jesus is not in what he said, but who he was. And who he was is the fullness of God in the flesh come into this world. And the moment the church waters down that teaching, it waters down the gospel. Who do we say Jesus is? He's the great I am. The fullness of the Lord. And make no mistake about it. That's who he is. And to those who are elected and being saved, that is the truth of life in which they rejoice. And to those that are being damned, they hate that word. They hate hearing that he is the true God. Occasionally you'll meet a whirling who'll be gracious to you and kind. Thank goodness for kind people wherever you meet. But understand this, the message of who Jesus is will always be an offense to the world. But we know who he is. And we are not ashamed of the gospel, are we? I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to tell everybody I know that Jesus is the Lord. I'm not ashamed to tell anyone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And none comes to the Father except through him because he and the Father are identical. You can't reject Jesus and claim to hold to God, can't do it. They're one and the same. Point number one, to begin to understand who Jesus is, is how Jesus defines himself, and he clearly defines himself as the great I am. And don't ever give that up. Don't ever be a church. Someday I'm going to be dead and gone. You'll get a really good-looking preacher and all of this thing. And, 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 but don't listen to him. Even if I were to have a stroke and preach anything differently, don't listen. If, 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 if anyone says, well, Jesus is not fully God, don't listen to it. It's false teaching. It is a phrase that divides. 
Maybe some here today don't like what I've said. It's a phrase that divides. But he is who he says he is, or he's a liar. And he says, I am the great I am. You want to know the Father, know me. Be wise in this world, my friends. The deception is all around you. You shall know the truth. Who Jesus is. You shall know the truth. And what does the Bible tell you? The truth will make you free. You'll be free from confusion. You'll be free from misdirection. And you'll be free from being misled. If you look unto him who is the great I am. Well, I hope the Lord blesses you this week. Hope you'll remember what I've said. And if you've got any questions, I love questions. God bless you.